Praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, as you know, we've been in a series entitled The King's Meet, and we've been talking about marriage, and this week we're going to continue in that subject. Today's subtitle is The Third Dimension of Marriage. The Lord really blessed us in this message, and I know that you will be blessed as well. And don't forget, on Friday, March the 15th, we're going to be having our community event entitled Think Jesus, Think Church. And it is sponsored by the Harrelson County Ministerial Association. We're going to have a dynamic time. Churches from all around the Harrelson County area are going to be there, and you don't want to miss this. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. I believe the Spirit of God is going to move mightily, and revival will begin in our land. You don't want to miss this historic occasion. That's Friday, March the 15th, 2013 at 7 p.m. at Milltown in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org and click on the link that says, Think Jesus, Think Church. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, The Third Dimension of Marriage, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, well, today we'll be speaking from the, uh, like I said, we're in, this, we're in the broad subject, The King's Meet. And we'll be speaking from the subtitle today of the third dimension of marriage. Believe it or not, there is a third dimension of marriage. Isn't that awesome? We've seen a lot of third dimensions in scripture. Every round gets higher, higher, and higher, right? Third dimension as in uh, we know but the, with the temple. We know there was the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place or the holies of holies. There's always something that goes higher and higher. And there is a third dimension to marriage. Um, and we're going to discuss that today, the Lord willing. All right, well, let's get started. First uh, Corinthians, the seventh chapter. I'm going to, I will be reading to you uh, verses 10 through 16. Uh, we'll start here again. And it says, unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried and be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him. Remember that? She be pleased to dwell with him. Let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that uh, believeth not. And if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And uh, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were the children unclean. But now they are holy. But if the unbelieving depart, do what? Run after them. Uh, I, I'm sorry, that, that does not say that in my Bible, does it? If the unbelieving depart, what does it say? Let him depart. Let him depart. It does not say, go down the road if and screaming if I can't live without you if. Does it? 
It says, let him depart. It says, a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God have called us to what? To peace, to live in peace. God's called us to live in peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Now, there are a few things that we're going to see here before we go on. I pray that you are with me today. So we understand that uh, 1 Corinthians 7 chapter talks about marriage, talks about uh, really the two groups of persons here, uh, those that are married, where both spouses are born again. The husband and the wife are both saved. They're both believers. And then it talks to, the Lord talks to in verse number 12, he talks to the rest, those that uh, have a, where one spouse is a believer and the other is not a believer. So there are two different type of conditions that the Lord uh, outlines as to what to do in these relationships. Amen. All right. We know how the, we know what the Lord says also about uh, divorce. And we know that in Malachi 2.16, the Bible, the Bible records that the Lord hates divorce. He hates divorce. He hates the putting away. He hates the, the putting away, it says there in Malachi 2.16. Now, we understand that uh, many, have, many have been divorced uh, for whatever reasons, but divorce, like any other sin, um, can be forgiven. It's going to be one of those. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, we do understand that uh, there can be um, legitimate, legitimate causes for divorce. One, of course, the Lord tells us there uh, uh, for the cause of adultery or sexual immorality in the scripture. Uh, and there, of course, are other reasons for breaking the uh, marriage relationship. And, you know, of course, uh, death is one that breaks the marital relationship. Uh, um, you are not uh, bound to your spouse once once they have departed and have gone on. You're not bound. So that also can break the uh, relationship. And then, of course, there is a third reason uh, you can leave um, the marriage by way of permission. That is the leading of the Holy Spirit. But by default, uh, but the default action in marriage is to stay in the marriage. It's to stay in the marriage. When I say by permission, of course, if the individual be pleased or not pleased to dwell with you, that is, there is violence and abuse within the home. There is cutting and shooting and, you know, all this other stuff uh, that are that is in the home. And you cannot live in peace. Remember, God has God has called us to live in peace. As a matter of fact, Romans 14, verse 19 says this. It says, let us therefore uh, follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one uh, may edify the other. And we know that in marriage, uh, the husband is called to edify the wife, to build her up, to encourage her, to nourish her, and to, and to cherish her, right? The husband is called to love the wife. Remember, remember, we read there in the book of Ephesians that the Lord did not directly say wives love your husbands, although that will be the case. But he says directly to the husbands, love your wife. Isn't that something? So there are things uh, that can break the union, that can break a union. Here again, um, there is the cause of adultery and death and uh, by the permission of the, of the Holy Spirit as he leads you 
in that direction. Uh, if there is, if there is all the negative and hateful things and all these terrible things going on within the marriage, then you're going to have to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit as regards to that, as it relates to that. Amen. But again, all sin can be forgiven, except for, let me say this, except for one, of course, and that is uh, rejection of Christ. If you reject Christ, the person rejects Christ and they die in that condition, there is no forgiveness because you, we would have rejected the forgiver. Now, let me say this as well, too. The Lord brings this to my attention. There, there is a, a hailstorm, if you will, of controversy that is in the news today about same-sex marriage and uh, there's a hailstorm of conflict about whether prayer should be in the schools and prayer out of the schools and, and the government is doing this, Obama's doing this, and, and the House Representative Senate's doing that and all this other stuff and they're going to take our religious freedom and, and all this stuff is going on, all this stuff all around us. Please don't get wrapped up. Keep the main thing the main thing. Okay? Now, what the church likes to do historically is point fingers at someone else's sin. Keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Are you born again? Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Yes, man and man. Yes, I do. I both, I see that you both are married now. Yes, man and man, you both are married now. Yes. Uh, do I need to despise you? No. What's the main thing? Are you born again? Are you saved? Now, whether they get into heaven or not is not, is not for me to decide. Are you understanding? My responsibility is to give them Jesus. Let God do his part. He is the judge, not me. He called me to love them no matter what condition they were in. Whether two men, two women, two frogs, whatever. You understand? Whether a man is living with a woman, they're not married. What, whatever the case may be, whether it's drugs, alcohol, alcohol, whatever, whatever the thing is, I'm not the judge. I'm called to keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Do you know Jesus? And I believe the power of the gospel is strong enough to change the lifestyle. To change the lifestyle. When the Holy Spirit comes on the inside and that person becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, God will do the work. But no amount of your finger pointing or accusing or condemning is going to change anybody. As a matter of fact, you're going to run them off. Hallelujah. So please don't get mixed up in this. All this, this, and all this, that, and all that stuff. Now, as a church, it is a part of our bylaws that we will not perform same-sex marriages because I will not help you to sin. Just like I would not give you a crack pipe. You want to kill somebody? I'm not going to give you a gun. You want to get drunk? I'm not going to buy you a bottle of liquor. Are you hearing? I'm not going to help you do it. Hallelujah. But I will not condemn them in that. I will show them the love of Christ in that. And let Jesus do the rest. 
They're all free to come and to uh, be members and, and join in this family here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. I pray that the sinner does come into the church. Praise God. And if there ever be a day that we refuse to acknowledge that we too are sinners saved by grace, we're going to have a big problem. Now, I'm a fan. Let me praise God. We're off the topic, but we'll get back to it in a second. I am a fan of confession. I confess the word of God over my life every day, every day. And I did have a problem. There was a song many years ago, um, I think by Donnie McClurkin, that said, Well, the saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. We fall down and we get up. We fall down and all right. I had a problem with that, April. I had a problem with that song. What you mean I'm a sinner? No, I'm a born again man of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to confess I'm a sinner, but understand this. If you don't confess that you're a sinner, you disqualify yourself to receive God's grace. You disqualify yourself to, from receiving God's salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yeah, there's still something in you. Praise God. There's still something in you that, that God has to, has to deliver you from. There's still something there. Praise God. We have to confess our sin before the Lord. Lord, it's still here. Oh, God, it's still here. I did it again. I looked again. I said that again. Lord, it's still here. And when we admit that before him, we give him access or we grant him right to give us his grace. Hmm? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if there's ever a day that we confess, I'm there, I made it, I'm perfect, oh my God. Let me know when you reach that day so we can slap you or something. <laughs> Bring you right back in your senses. Okay? Turn to your name and tell him, he's still working on me. I don't know about you, but he's still working on me. Hallelujah. Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. He's still working on us. Amen. So don't get into the point where you, I've heard some terrible songs sung. I've seen one uh, on the YouTube. I saw one on the YouTube. That was a terrible song sung by this little child uh, 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 singing against or, or condemning the lives, condemning the, the homosexual, condemning the person. Why in the world would you do that? When Jesus came to save all people. Okay, here again, keep the main thing the main thing. Main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Is your, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have your sins been washed away? Are you filled with God's spirit? And if there's a check mark in all those boxes, God will deal with the rest. Okay? But it's a strange thing when a, when, when, if, if, if you take a cat and you try to make the cat bark, it's just not in them. It's not normal for a cat to bark. It's not normal for a dog to meow. You look at it and say, what? And for many churches, it, it is notorious. We are notorious for taking a sinner 
and giving him a bunch of religious do's and don'ts and trying to make him look saved when he is not saved. And really, that is an abomination in itself. Okay, true salvation comes from within as the Holy Spirit deals with us from within and he manifests righteousness out of us. We can, we can have righteous acts, but righteous acts does not make us righteous. How do we get that for marriage? I don't know. But we got there, praise the Lord. So please don't get caught up with all this stuff. As the devil tries to pull our attention, pull the church's attention away from this and, and away from Christ. Oh, look at this. Look at what they're doing over there. And we get so wrapped up, so wrapped up, so wrapped up that we cease to cease to concentrate on the main thing. The main issue. If Jesus gets inside, he will change the life. Concentrate on getting Jesus inside. Yes, I'll, yeah, I wouldn't mind going out to dinner with the both of you. Yeah, yeah, let's go out. Let's have something to eat. Praise the Lord. What are we doing? Why is Pastor Stroud there eating with them? That will be the same hypocritical spirit that said, why is Jesus eating with the Pharisees? Why is he eating with the publicans? Why is he eating with the prostitutes? Oh, doesn't he know who they are? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's time, it's time really for the church to look like Jesus and not look like the Pharisees and Sadducees, not look like those who are constantly pointing fingers and condemning people when that is not what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Well, let's get back into the topic of marriage. Somebody apparently needed to hear that. And so we see that every sin can be forgiven, of course, except for that of rejecting Christ. You reject Jesus, end of game. Uh, first John, the first chapter, verse number nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and, and their iniquities will I remember no more. Isn't that wonderful? God hates the lifestyle, but he loves that person. Okay? He hates the booze, but he loves that man that's boozing it up or whatever you, you want to say. Okay? You must be able to separate the person from what they're doing. If you think they're one and the same, you're going to miss the point altogether. God pulled you out of the muck and mire, didn't he? Somebody say amen. He pulled you out. Don't you know he can pull them out too? But here's the thing. He pulled you out. Not somebody's condemning a judgment or words. Praise Jesus. I'm not sure who it is today, but I hope you're getting it. So please don't say, um, I mean, don't, I don't want anybody to say, well, we're going to go ahead and get this divorce and I know God will, God will forgive me when, when we, when I go ahead and do this. Forgiveness takes just a moment, but restoration may take a lifetime. Are you hearing? It may take just a moment, moment. God, oh yeah, you're done. Yes. 
Like if you go out and kill somebody, forgiveness takes a moment. But you're going to be in jail for a long time. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. You lie to somebody. You hurt them real bad. I forgive you. Mm -mm -mm. It's going to take a while to repair that relationship. Okay. Forgiveness a moment. But restoration may take a lifetime, may take a long time. So never just do things vicariously. Just I'll do it. I'll, God will forgive me. God will forgive me. Yes, this is, this is true. Yes, he will. But how long will it take for you uh, to be restored? To be restored in a relationship? Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. So uh, let's look again at uh, as we go on. At verse number, verse number 11, it says, but and if she depart, talking about the, the married uh, couple where the, where the husband and wife are both believers, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not her husband put her away. Now notice as we read here, and I really want to move on, but Notice how the word reconciliation is used with the married couple where both are believers. You don't see the word reconciliation used where one is a believer and the other one is an unbeliever. Okay. Reconciliation means there is a bringing back together, a putting things back together or one coming into favor with the other. Okay. Which means it is possible to be brought back together. Uh, the Lord says, uh, you know, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, let no man tear apart. If both are believers in Christ, God can lead them into mending this relationship back together again. And actually, it would be stronger than it was before. As he brings the two back together. Now, in the case of where one is saved and the other one is not saved or one is a believer in Christ and the other one is not it is not called reconciliation there it is called the other one getting saved right how know thou oh wife whether you will save your husband or oh man whether you will save your wife whether god will use you to save him praise the lord because there's no reconciling with the devil okay praise the lord <laughs> there's no reconciling with the devil you can't reconcile with him Either they're going to get saved or they're not. Praise the Lord. But if they still be pleased to dwell with you, you can remain. Praise God. If they be pleased to dwell with you. Hallelujah. Not you pleased to dwell with them. Scripture is very plain. If they be pleased to dwell with you. Hallelujah. So if that devil can handle your Jesus, praise the Lord. But sooner or later, one of them going to win. Okay. And really either Jesus will win or the devil will leave. That's that's. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? All right. Did you get anything out of that? Oh, praise the Lord. I feel so much better now. Do you feel better now? Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Somebody really needed that. Let's go to Ephesians. And um, let's look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We're going to go here and we're going to continue to talk or start, as we say, looking at the... Um, the third dimension of marriage. Now, let me say this as well. Christian marriage, where both partners, both the husband and wife are saved, you know, they both are believers. 
Christian marriage is not a guarantee of a completely successful relationship. That does not say that you're never going to have any bumps in the road just because you both believe in Jesus. Are you hearing? The blueprint of the God marriage that we've been talking about, the blueprint of the God marriage is perfect, but the participants are not. Okay? So that means that there is still subject to be some amount of error in the marriage. One of them can be mean or crude or unkind to the other. You're still in flesh. But as both of them are believers, God can help them to reconcile, come back together. Are you hearing? Now, when these things are happening, when someone is mean or crude or rude or unkind to the to their spouse, it usually happens because one of them are out of fellowship with the Lord. They're out of alignment with the Lord. There is some sort of sin afoot. Right. And the devil is using that person to do crazy things. Okay, but once they get back in alignment with the Lord through repentance and forgiveness, God can restore and bring things back together. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. Now, uh, let's go to Ephesians five. Did I say that to you? Ephesians five. Let's look at verse number 22. And I'm going to do just a little bit of reading here. Verse 22 uh, through 33 as we talk about or start today because we're probably not going to finish it. As we start today, speaking of the third dimension of marriage. Now, I'll tell you right now, the third dimension of marriage starts before marriage. Starts before marriage as you prepare for it. So as we speak about the third dimension of marriage, I'll be, I know the Lord's going to be ministering. Yes, ministering to husband and wife currently, but also ministering to the single people. Yes, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. <laughs> Yes, all the single ladies. If you like it, put a ring on it. <laughs> Lord, help us. All right, so uh, ladies, gentlemen, single people, put your toe shoes on. That's your warning. All right, here we go. Ephesians 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to do what? Love. Uh, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. All right, verse 31. Here we're going to really take the thrill ride. We're really, we're really now going to get in this car and uh, we're ready to roll. Now we said all of that to get right here. Your seatbelt on. Come on, click it. Don't want to get a ticket. 
Are you ready? All right, let's jump, let's jump and go. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, notice how the Bible says that the picture of marriage, marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. Notice something as we read there in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, the, uh, the seventh chapter, how it says over and over again that the wife may separate from her husband, may leave her husband because of different circumstances, but it tells the, the husband emphatically, do not put your wife away. Do not divorce your wife. Why is that? Because this is a picture of Christ and the church. Church, we are, we would be styled as the bride of Christ. Now, we may walk away from him, but he will never divorce us. Did you get a hold of that? We may act foolish. We may act all kind of crazy, but he will never divorce us. He will never release us. He will never put us away. This is what he speaks. This is the mystery of marriage. This is the mystery of marriage. And here again, as he's given us these guidelines for Christian marriage, he's also telling us how he relates to us as his bride, as the church is his bride. We may separate from him, but he never will from us. Isn't that wonderful? So we talk about the mystery of marriage. Now, let's look again. Let me show you the third dimension of marriage. As we look at uh, verse number 31 here, this is thrilling. Verse 31 says, for this call shall a man leave his father and mother, first dimension, and shall be joined unto his wife, second dimension, and third dimension, they two shall be one, one flesh, third dimension of marriage, they two shall be one flesh. Many translations uh, say like this, um, they will become one flesh or, or they are united into one flesh. This is the miracle of marriage where two different and distinct persons will be joined by God to produce a new life. Not just talking about children right now, hear me. As two Distinct persons will be joined by God. Remember what, what God has joined together. This is something that God does. He enters in and joins these two individuals and they produce a new life, something that has never existed before. They create what's called one. God joins them together and they produce something called one. Now out of this one, they produce other eternal beings. Now we're talking about the children. Okay? Out of the one, they produce eternal beings. That's why, uh, it is so painful. That's why divorce is so painful because you are, because those individuals are literally killing a life. Does that make sense to you? Let me draw that. We're gonna draw that. I know you like my drawing. There's a man there. Give her a little dress. 
Well, I don't want you to see you in a dress, so we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> and they give her some hair there. Okay. All right, there you have it. Two distinct people, two different people. And then God joins them together. He joins them together, and they too create something called one. Or they become one. Out of this one are born the little children. You just have to imagine that that's a drawing of children. You understand? This is how the offspring of the children should be born under this type of union where God has joined the two. They have produced this thing called one and they will produce this oneness. Now this oneness, they both become stewards over this oneness. And if something happens where this oneness is broken here again, this is why it is so incredibly painful for those that receive divorces because they are killing this thing that God made called one. Hallelujah. But if it is severed, God can bring, because he created the one, he can help the one be put back together. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All king horses, all king's men couldn't put them back together again, but my God can. He can put the relationship back together again. Are you hearing me? Now, let me show you some things here. Now, let's go. You can keep your finger here in uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, as we begin to close just a few minutes. Let's go to the book of John. Let me show you this. Let's go to the book of John, John, the uh, 14th chapter, John, the 14th chapter. This is thrilling as we show you the third dimension of marriage. There are three dimensions of marriage. Okay, one where... The man leaves. Let me write this down the board. There are three dimensions. There are three D's. There are three dimensions of marriage. One, the man leaves. Two, he uh, joins. Three, they become one. They become one or they produce the one. Are you hearing? Oh, this is wonderful. Let's look at this, John, because the Lord, remember, as Ephesians says, as he talks about marriage, he's talking about Christ and the church, Christ and the church. Now, I must confess, as the Lord is dealing with me about marriage, as he's showing me these three dimensions, I had to do a lot of repenting. Whoa, what? Really, pastor? You too? Yes, 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 me too. Because if God doesn't show me anything new, then how can I change? How can I turn? I saw a lot of mistakes that I made during the espousal period, and we're going to talk about that. I saw a lot of mistakes I made then. And I see them probably making up for it for the rest of my married days. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just a lot of mistakes made. But as we see what the real thing is, you know, it's kind of like somebody, some people think that bologna uh, is steak until they taste an actual steak. <laughs> oh, this is good. Mm -hmm, it's good. 
until I till you show you this is what a steak is. Really? You look at the bologna, you, you had it on the skillet, and it's some popped up like that, popped up. When it pops up, that's when you know he's ready to eat. When it pop up. Oh, y'all not hear what I'm saying, do you? It's got to pop up. When it pops up, you know it's ready. Praise the Lord. I like to throw a little mustard on there and just toast my bread and really. Anyway. But you think one thing is good until you see the real thing. Okay? So as God shows us the real thing, I'm telling you, we're, we're all going to be repenting and that's a good thing. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's look at this again. Um, John the 14th chapter and verse number one. We'll look at verses one, two, and three. And it says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Who's speaking? The Lord Jesus. He said, ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, now make a note of that, in my father's house, father's house. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Make a note of prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Make a note of that. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Make a note of that. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. All right. So we know that the Lord Jesus is coming again for his church, for his bride. And he's not going to take us to some separate place. He's going to take us back to his father's house. Are you hearing me? To God the Father. We're going back to heaven. Okay? We're going back to his house. We're going back to live with him. Now, this, he speaks of this to give the disciples uh, comfort because soon he's going to go through the whole crucifixion process. And this is, an, this is actually a perfect blueprint of marriage. He's actually telling them there that... Um, that he's entering into a covenant relationship with them. He is styled as the bridegroom and the church is styled as the bride. And he's telling them, he's giving them a covenant agreement that I'm not going to just leave you down here. I'm going away, but I'm coming again for you. Okay. This is one of the most, if not the most strongest covenant agreement uh, there in, in biblical times. And that is the one of marriage. Okay, so he's speaking here. He's using marital terms here that they can understand to give them comfort. And we're going to talk about that. All right, so let's go back now to Ephesians, the first, Ephesians uh, 5. And uh, let's talk about this third dimension. So understanding that, we're going to go a little bit further. Are you ready to go further with me? Amen. Ephesians 5, verse number 31 says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother. I want you to notice something. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother. That is, the man leaves the covering of his father's house. Now notice the word says, man. The man leaves, not the boy leaves. We'll talk about that too. The man leaves. That is, the man that has been matured. Man talks about matured. He is matured now. Especially in this culture, he has been trained, trained to be what? Trained to be a husband, trained to provide for his family, trained to run a household. Are you hearing me? And he has been prepared to take a bride. Hallelujah. 
This is how it should be. Hear me. This is how it should be. This is how, this is how it should be. As the fathers train their sons how to be husbands, how to be men, how to take care of their wives, how to take a job to provide for their families. The fathers train their sons. And it's not just in words, but it's in action. As the sons grow up seeing the father, seeing what the father does. I'm telling you, one of the things that really blessed me, oh my God, I haven't been blessed like this in so long of a time. What really blessed me, I mean really blessed my soul, it wasn't a billion dollar check, although Lord, I'm waiting. <laughs> but what really blessed me one morning when I got up for, uh, for morning prayer, and I see my son in there on a the sofa with the Bible in his hand. At three or four o'clock in the morning, looking at the scripture. Oh, I love that. That tells me it's getting in there. It's getting in there. It's getting in there. He's doing what he sees dad do. Praise God. You know, I get, I wait a second. I get to cry. Praise the Lord. Some training up. So it's responsibility of the father to train up their sons to be husbands. You hearing me? So that when a man leaves his father's house in pursuit of a bride, not in pursuit of a girlfriend. We're going to talk about that too. Pursuit of a bride, pursuit of a wife. Hallelujah. He who finds a wife, the scripture says, finds a good thing and finds or, or obtains, obtains favor in the sight of the Lord. So I caution every young man, every man, not to go out and look for a girlfriend, but look for a wife. A girlfriend is one who, who may gratify or pacify his carnal desires uh, temporarily, but can never fulfill him. We'll get to that. Praise the Lord. So he comes, so, so, so the man leaves his father's house. So his father uh, raises the son up in such a way that the father then says, son, it's time for you to get a wife. If you look at this, you see this exact same thing there in the book of Genesis. As God the father talks about Adam, it's not good that a man should be alone. He needs a wife. He needs a wife. And he prepared a vessel. He prepared a wife for his son. Praise the Lord. The father will know, son, it's not time for you to get married. You're, oh, no, no, no. You need a little more maturing now. Before you go and, and take a wife, before you go and, and, and become her covering, you're going to have to have some things in place. Hallelujah. So it is the man that mature, the man that is mature, that has been trained and, uh, and has, has been prepared that then goes forth and takes his bride. Praise the Lord. He leaves. He leaves his home to find his bride, to find his wife. Just like the Lord Jesus left his father's house in heaven, right? And traveled to the earth in pursuit of his bride over 2,000 years ago. Are you hearing me? All right. So this is the first dimension, the first dimension of, um, of the three dimensions of marriage where we are prepared in order to take a wife. There are some things in place first before we consider, for we can consider marriage. 
I tell you, young ladies, uh, before before you even consider getting married to um, uh, Joe Bob, you want to make sure that he has things prepared for you. All right, Lord, help me, help me, help me. Make sure he has things prepared for you. Hallelujah. Living in a cardboard box may be suitable for some, but it should not be suitable for you. Considering who you are. Somebody said, Pastor, I wish somebody had told me this some years ago. Well, we're telling you now. All right. So first dimension, the man is prepared and he gets equipped. He gets trained to go out and have something to offer to his wife. Okay. Now, the second dimension is the Bible says that he is joined unto his wife. He said, and shall be joined unto his wife. Now, this joining process talks about an espousal period or engage, we call it an engagement period. Uh, after, so we can say it this way, after finding his wife, he would negotiate with the father of the young woman to determine the price or the, what's called the, um, the morah. Uh, that he would pay to purchase his bride, the, dow the dowry. Once the bridegroom paid the purchase price, the marriage covenant or the engagement or the betrothal period uh, was, there, was thereafter established. The young man and the young woman were then at that time regarded to be husband and wife. Although they had not gone through the marriage ceremony like we do here in the States, we say that you become husband and wife after you uh, say I do and I do at the marriage ceremony, but right there during this betrothal period, they were also they were known as husband and wife. Are you hearing? This was a covenant agreement. Now understand something. He had to go and pay a dowry. D a I'm sorry D o w r y. He had to pay that. Now why would he have to come and bring some money to his father-in-law? A couple of reasons. Number one. The daughter um, was oftentimes responsible for different chores in the house or different uh, maintaining different things there out in the field with the crops and things of that nature. So she would be bringing in uh, some sort of income into her father's house. So because she now she's going to be married, she's taken out of the father's house and, and her father's house is diminished in a way because the father loses that income. So the, so the husband would have to come and basically he is restoring the income to the father that would have been gained if his daughter were still there. Does that make sense to you? And also it shows the father uh, the financial status of the would-be husband. You want to marry my daughter? You got two pennies? No. Hmm. Hmm. You got a job? No, we, uh, I want to live with her. Hmm. 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 Got transportation? Uh, no, I catch the bus. Hmm. 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 You're not ready yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because you are taking this young lady under your covering. And you are saying that you will provide for her. So this, when he pays the dowry in full, when he makes payment in full, he is then seen as her husband and she is now uh, seen as his bride, okay, or as his wife, although they have not consummated the marriage as of yet. 
Now, what did Jesus do for us? He came and he paid the price in full for us. In full for us. Now, after he has paid the price in full, there comes a time of separation. The husband goes away and prepares the marital home. He prepares the marital home where? It's in his father's house somewhere. He prepares a place for his bride. Because after the period, usually it took about a year, uh, after that period, he's going to go back and get his wife and take her where he is. Does that sound familiar to you? Now, during this espousal period or betrothal period, here again, the husband prepares the place and the wife dedicates herself or consecrates herself or sanctifies herself to be only for him. Only for him. Now, this is a year and they may not see each other within that year period of time, but she is consecrating herself solely for for her husband now. And she is preparing for the day of marriage. She's preparing. And that's exactly what we're doing right now as the body of Christ. We're consecrating ourselves to the Lord and preparing for that day that he comes and raptures his church. He takes us away. He's going to do this because we are betrothed one to another. Are you hearing? Oh, isn't this exciting? Isn't this exciting? All right. So, uh, so this period of uh, separation, there again, afforded the, afforded the bride time to get her outfit together, her wedding dress together, and say goodbye to family and friends because she's going to go live with her man now. <laughs> I'm going to go live with him, and he's going to take care of me, and so forth and so on, praise the Lord. And the husband got things together. Now, third dimension, we'll stop here for the day. There's so much more, but I'm going to cut it a little bit short today. Third dimension is when uh, they actually come together as one. They actually come together as one. Now, the betrothal period is over. Now, here comes time for the actual ceremony. Listen, at the end of the separation period, the groom would come to take his bride. Uh, the taking of the bride usually took place at night. Now, this is during, this is Jewish culture, uh, way back in Bible times. This is what happened then. The taking of the bride usually occurred at night. Although the bride was expecting the groom to come for her, uh, she did not know exactly when he would arrive. So the groom's arrival would be preceded with a shout, with a cry, a midnight cry, saying that the groom is coming, the groom is coming. And she would grab, she would uh, grab her, her bridal party. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's here. He's here. He's here. And they would grab all their garments and things of that nature. The bride and her attendants. And they would go out to meet the bridegroom. Right? Here again, she had to stay ready because she didn't know what time she was coming. The Lord talks about this as well in Matthew, the 25th chapter, as he talks about the 10 virgins, five foolish and five wise. Right? You got to be ready because he's coming. And you don't know what hour he's coming in. So uh, after he arrives, okay, what, what, let me say it this way. All right, she's prepared herself and she's ready. He comes. Now, shortly after arrival, the bride and the groom uh, would be escorted um, by the other members of the wedding party to the bridal chamber. Prior to entering the chamber, uh, the bride uh, remained veiled so that no one could see her face. While the groomsmen and bridesmaids would wait outside, the bride and groom would enter the bridal, uh, the bridal chamber alone. 
there in the privacy of that place, they would enter into physical union for the first time. Now, that's another message altogether. They were entering into physical union for the first time, thereby consummating the marriage. After the marriage was consummated, the groom would announce the consummation to the other members of the wedding party waiting outside the chamber. <laughs> this is real stuff. This is real stuff. <laughs> hey, Albert. We did it, man. Once they had heard the news, the members of the bridal party would go and tell the guests that were waiting at the at the celebration. And then that would begin uh, the guests hearing the good news would begin the feast of the marriage celebration that would last about seven days. Praise the Lord. Isn't that something? Wow. Have things changed? Praise the Lord. So <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> When the Lord comes to take us back with him, that's going to be a great shout in heaven. Hey, praise the Lord. We have now become one with the Lord. We have now sealed this marriage covenant. We are with the Lord forever. Amen. And the news is going to be shouted throughout the entire universe. Now, I'm not sure. Listen, I'm not sure. And I, I can't tell you what is not written that I don't know about. I'm not sure if there are other planets out there with other creatures and, and other alienistic people and all that stuff but I do know that if there were the Lord has one bride and it's us are you hearing me and he's going through a whole lot of trouble to get you and I so the third dimension of marriage what is third dimension marriage the coming together the coming together the coming together now the uh, phase three or third dimension is to continue. There should be a continual coming together, a continual coming together, a continual new intimacy being formed in the marriage relationship. But here again, first dimension is first dimension takes place before marriage. You prepare for that. You prepare for that. Second dimension, you're, that's the uh, espousal period, the, the engagement period. Engagement when you're getting, putting things ready for, you're putting things in order for your spouse. Okay, not only is the man preparing, but the woman is also preparing. And the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, a wife is one that Proverbs 31 describes her. When she opens her mouth, wisdom comes out. My Jesus. I heard a woman once say, I don't as, as we're closing, I heard a woman once say, I don't know why all these, oh, why all these type of these Terrible men keep coming up to me. I don't, I don't know why they keep coming up to me. Well, what are you fishing with? What bait are you fishing with? Okay. They are attracted. All these other uh, boys or whatever, they are attracted to something that's in you. So if you go fishing and if all you keep pulling up are crappies, change your bait. Are you hearing me? change your bait different fish go for different types of bait change your bait praise God and you'll find a better better person we'll stop there for today I pray you heard the word of God today give Lord a hand of praise hallelujah we pray that you are richly blessed by today's message we would love to connect with you 
Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.